and gentlemen, welcome to Oral Presentations, episode 24, A Three-Pack of Murderers. We are going to be taking a look at uh, three, I, I think they're all serial killers, honestly. I think they all qualify as serial killers. The last one, it, it, the last one's up for debate. We'll get to that one. But first two, definitely serial killers, historical figures. Uh, we're going to take a look at them, compare and contrast kill count, how they did it, um, why they did it, maybe. I don't know. I just take a look. So. We're going to have three, it's going to be three shorties uh, smashed together. So I'll put the song in between the dividers of this. So the first one will probably be like, I don't know, 10, 12 minutes a piece. And just run them through. And I thought it was going to be fun. So we're going to take a look at uh, three murderers. So let's get it going. Uh, first one out the gate. We're going to start with Ivan the Terrible. Uh, this is a man who waged a 40-year war on his own country, which was Russia. So, to get it going, let's take a look at Ivan the Terrible's early life. 1533, the Grand Duke of Moscow dies. That is Ivan the Terrible's dad. Very sad thing. His dad fucking dies. Uh, now, that's important because his dad was the dude kind of keeping Russia in check. He was the Grand Duke of Moscow, and the nobility of Russia was all kind of like jostling for power. But Ivan's dad, the Grand Duke, keeping everybody chill, being like, yeah, this is how we're going to run things. It's cool. Ivan's dad dies, that all breaks apart, and Ivan is only three years old when his dad dies. Now, Ivan is the heir to be the next Grand Duke of Moscow, but he's three years old, dude. He can't do shit, except for be scared of getting murdered, because his dad died. And he's like, oh no, am I going to die, because everybody else wants all this political power that my dad used to hold, and I'm three years old, dude. Four years ago, I didn't exist at all. I'm terrified. So, he hangs out with his mom for five years in the castle, just trying to stay safe. But after five years, his mom gets murdered. Somebody killed his mom, poisoned his mom. Mom gets poisoned. And at this point in time, Ivan the Terrible is eight years old. He's an orphan now. His dad's dead. His mom got murdered by the nobles. He doesn't trust anything. He's paranoid. He becomes obsessed with the Old Testament. And it's to escape his fear. He loves reading the Old Testament of the Bible. And he loves that God was like very strong and severe in the Old Testament. He's like, all right, well, if I ever get to the point where I rule this country, I got to be like Old Testament God. I got to be strong and I got to be severe. That's how I got to live. He really liked the Old Testament. And he was he was paranoid and scared. So he was just inside a castle reading the Old Testament, loving it, being scared that somebody's going to try and murder him for most of his childhood. He loved it to the point that he did that thing, the flagellant. We talked about it in the Black Plague episode where those there's like Mardi Gras parades of dudes who would run around the Black Plague and beat the shit out of themselves to show God how penitent they were. Ivan the Terrible started doing that when he was a kid. He loved the Old Testament so much, he would just bop his head on the floor over and over again to try to show God how sorry he was and to show how penitent he was. He would just read the Old Testament and just keep bopping his head on the ground. That's not good for you. That's CT when you're young. It's not good. He had like a callus on his head from doing it. He really loved doing that. So... Young serial killer, we've all watched the shows. What do you look for? Did he fuck with animals as a kid? Answer, yup. And he had a castle to do it with, so he got a little creative. He used to bring bears up to the top of the castle and then walk them out and just push them off. He would just push bears just off the top of the castle, watch them tumble down. That's that's terrible. You know, who doesn't love bears? But it's also, I mean, that's the mo that's one of the most creative little kid serial killer things I've ever heard is to lead bears up top and then throw them off, throw them off the balcony. 
it's not funny. It's definitely not funny. Uh, but it, it does remind me of the diprotons falling into those holes. It's just, it's definitely, it's a terrible thing that little kid was doing was throwing bears off those castles. Come on. But I mean, it is, it is, it's a little, it's different than like, he also plucked feathers off of birds and was weird as shit that way too. But the one that stuck out to me was chucking bears off the top of a castle. Now it is fun to like throw water balloons at stuff from high up. That's all I'm saying. I definitely not a good thing and should have probably been, been like, are you, is that kid throwing bears off the top of me? We're going to watch him, but. So he threw bears off, off of high places. He liked doing that. No people yet. Uh, but age 13, Ivan the Terrible gets it going. Uh, Ivan the Terrible, at 13 years old, he throws a dinner party for the nobility. I feel like every dinner party I've covered in every one of these episodes, if there's ever a dinner party that comes up, it's always a trap. I don't really get invited to too many dinner parties, but if I did, I, it would be in the back of my head. Like, this shit might be a trap because every dinner party we hear about is a fucking trap. This one definitely was a trap, right? So Ivan the Terrible throws a dinner party. All the nobility shows up. And remember, he still blames these people for poisoning and killing his mom. So nobility shows up. And Ivan the Terrible is like, yo, thank you so much for coming. Real quick, is there a dude named Andre Sawiski here? And Andre's like, yo, what's up? And he's like, so you're the leader of the nobility. Great. Uh, yo, can somebody drag him outside? And he's going to get eaten by dogs right now. And Andre's like, oh, what the fuck? He gets, he gets torn apart by dogs outside in front of everybody. Ivan the Terrible's like, get the leader outside, get the hounds ready, tear them out, they're hungry. Feeds the leader of nobility to dogs in front of the rest of nobility, trying to set a tone, right? People are fucking terrified. 1547, Ivan announces that he is now czar, which is different than the position his dad held, and it's a higher position than nobility because the title of czar means that uh, there's like divine right to it because it can claim lineage all the way back to the Roman Empire. So he announces that he's czar. Everybody's like, that sounds great. I don't want to get fed the dogs. Sounds good. And then Ivan also announces, number two, he's going to hold a nationwide virgin contest to find a bride. With the rules being, you got to be over 12 years old. It's a little low, but different. I mean, it was 15, 47. I don't know. Holding a beauty contest that includes 12-year-olds is like the least terrible thing this guy did and that's that's pretty bad right so he holds his beauty contest finds a babe named anastasia romanov and this is great for him he's like he's in love now he's like all right what's well, fine i got my babe you know i did feed that guy to dogs i did do that but all things considered i'm gonna i'm gonna calm down and then he does and he starts opening up trade routes with like england he conquers uh, an Islamic city for the Orthodox Church. He's trying to get Russia. He's trying to put the pieces together for Russia. Things are going okay at this point in time. He did feed a guy to dogs, but with his babe behind him, he got that total babe energy. He's trying to chill a little bit. Now, unfortunately, August 1560, uh, his babe Anastasia dies under mysterious circumstances, much like his mom. Uh, she was 27. Oh, boy. Uh, there's speculation that she was also poisoned by the nobility and Ivan does not take this well. He, uh, yeah, he remembers his mom kind of got killed like this and he was, you know, he was trying to be a good boy. He was trying to set up trade routes, conquer a few cities, make Russia, you know, a better country. And then his babe gets poisoned and it's, uh, yeah, no, it's back to throwing bears off of, back to throwing bears off of castles, but even worse now. It's time for Ivan to put up some numbers, right? 
his babe getting poisoned and dying fundamentally changes Ivan's relationship with God as he sees it. It goes way back. It goes right back to where it was when he was a kid, when he was hiding from being murdered and just reading the Old Testament and bopping his head up and down. He's like, well, fuck it. Now, God's cruel. I got to be cruel. I can't believe I ever lost sight of this. It's my fault. I'm going to kill fucking everybody. So he goes around. He just starts killing whole families, just erasing whole family, old women, young, young dudes, just disappearing people. There's uh, I would like to mention that Ivan the Terrible did have a spine disease that uh, shrunk his spine as he got older. So he was also in constant pain. So aside from missing his babe and murdering people, he's also probably pretty grumpy to talk to. He's always in always in pain. And the only solution he had for that was to drink mercury to fix it, which isn't going to make you more reasonable if you're chugging down mercury. I don't think that's good for you. So, I mean, things are kind of getting crazy. And then uh, Ivan calls everybody together and he's like, yo, what's up? I'm going to threaten you right now. I'm, I'm going to advocate. I'll quit this job. I'm, I'm threatening right now. I'm going to abdicate the throne. I'll quit this fucking job. And that's a threat because the nobility, first of all, the nobility can't say anything. They know that like he's back feeding people to dogs and shit. Those they don't really want to talk to him. They're like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about quitting the job, dude? But Ivan's like, I'll quit this job and this country will fall back into disarray. It'll be like another warring states period. Like before my dad took over here, I'm either going to quit or I got to have all you guys tell me that I'm allowed to have absolute power in this country to purge anybody I want. And you guys can't say shit about it. Terrifying. Right. Well, what the fuck are the nobles going to say? They're just like, yeah, that's a great idea. Dude, you're so smart. You are the best. Let me just tell you while we're here, man, I like you a lot. Please don't kill my whole family. Ivan the Terrible is granted this power and therefore becomes the sole interpreter and executor of the will of God. So then he forms a crew. This is when the killing really gets out of hand. Ivan the Terrible earns his nickname here. So he forms a crew called the Opraniki which I'm glad they're not around anymore because I'm pretty sure I fucked up that word and they would murder me. The Opraniki is the worst type of political secret police you can ever imagine. These dudes were terrifying and they knew it and they dressed the part, dude. They wore black robes. They rode black horses. The horses had uh, the severed heads of dogs on the side of them to like let people know when they show up that like we're here to kill all of the dogs in this, like the dis- like the political dissident they had, like, severed head, decapitated dog heads on there. Also, they carried brooms as a symbol of, like, we're sweeping away all of the political opposition. These dudes were terrifying. And there was 300 of them. And they were the most aggressive guys. Some of them were fucking criminals. So here's how the Prishniki was set up, right? So they had a secret hideout at a monastery, as if Ivan the Terrible was their, like, abbot, pre- head priest of a monastery. So they all had, they all hung out at this monastery, so the way a day, if you were one of the Prichniki, would go is that you got to wake up and be at church smiling by 3 a.m. Do not fucking miss that. Don't make me tell you twice. Really, don't miss this, okay? You got to be there, smile on your face, 3 a.m. Then Ivan the Terrible is going to do a four-hour set. He's going to sing and dance, juggle, fucking hit his head on some stuff. He's, he's going to do it, and you got to clap at the end. Really, tell him good job. Best you've ever seen, for sure. Because, again, come on, man. Just be nice to him. After you watch a four-hour set that's probably boring, but you can't say anything about it, everybody goes and eats, and then you take a nap. Afternoon comes, and now it's time for everybody to hit the torture chamber uh, where you're going to torture a bunch of nobles to death, whoever you got captured. We're talking about pulling ribs out of people. Apparently, they had a good time with it. So afternoon was torture time, and then at the nighttime, 
it turned into like a studio 54 orgy where they would bring in like uh local peasant chicks and just kind of have an orgy thing but uh every now and then they would also murder those women so not a whole lot of fun uh going on here everybody's terrified at one point in time the head of the russian orthodox church hears about this and just it politely is like hey can you just tone it down like a little man because th- that's pretty crazy and Ivan the Terrible is like, well, you're guilty of sorcery. And then that guy gets tortured to death. Really, Ivan didn't really take constructive criticism well, the more you look at this story. Uh, I'm not sure if this is exactly where he earned his nickname, but it might have been because at a certain point he hears that a city called Nubkarov is planning against him, which, oh man, if you live in Nubkarov, that is not a good thing for you because uh, Ivan the Terrible showed up and tortured fifteen, at, at least 15,000 people to death, whole city whole city got tortured to death here he brought his son with him too Ivan the terrible brought a 15 year old with him to go to nubkarov and watch him torture 15,000 people to death and it wasn't just like taking ribs out of people and like the old timey stuff that he's used to at the monastery he like spiced it up a little bit he would tie people to sleds and then ghost ride those sleds into rivers that was a thing he did during nubkarov so afterwards Ivan the terrible tortures a whole 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 city to death goes back to Moscow and he's kind of getting paranoid. He's like, yo, some people might not like me for doing that, huh? All right, well, how am I going to fix that? And then he goes and he executes 300 people uh, in the town square of Moscow to let people know that like, hey, I could still kill people here. Please don't, you know, don't fucking try to kill them. I'll kill people here. I don't give a shit. So, and in the, after he executes 300 people in the Moscow, he gets kind of carried away and then he bops his own son on the head with a stick he just he hits him too hard. He didn't really think about it. I'm guessing he got carried away. He hit his he hit his like it was the oldest son that was supposed to be able to take over Russia. He bops him on the head too hard. That kid's head splits open. That kid dies. So Ivan the Terrible killed the kid that was supposed to take over Russia by accident. And afterwards, he feels pretty bad about that. This is like a pivotal moment in Ivan the Terrible's life where he's like, I can't believe I hit my own. I bopped him too hard. He's bleeding all over. I killed my own kid. I feel so bad about that. Uh, so this makes Ivan the Terrible. After he kills his own kid, he gets pretty sad. And then he starts saying, I'm sorry, and sending money to the family members of people that he didn't kill. So like, if, you, if I killed your brother and I forgot to kill you, I'll just send you some money. Sorry about that. I feel pretty bad. Spends the rest of his life. Uh, he like ordains himself as like a monk. And he's like, man, I'm so, I, I messed up so bad. I think he just got carried away there. I don't know what happened. Ivan the Terrible dies playing chess at 54. Now, in 1963, people dug his body up because they want to take a look at that spine, see how fucked up he actually was. Ivan the Terrible's spine was all fused together. That guy must have been in immense pain his entire life. But that's not an excuse, dude. You're still a dick. Final kill count, people estimated like 60,000. I mean, that one city, that's a conservative estimate of 15,000 people who got tortured to death. Some people said it was 18,000. So overall, we're looking at like 60,000 dead people. And then he also killed his own son. And look, these are the History Channel words, not mine. But they said the the son that died was trained to take over. Uh, but the son that had to take over after Ivan the Terrible bopped him on the head uh, ha- was retarded. He had learning disabilities. And again, I, those aren't my words, dude. That's the history. I'll post that clip. The History Channel said it. I was listening. I was like, damn, when was this made? History Channel has got some explaining to do, dude. I don't know if y'all have to say that, but I think it is a medical term, so it is what it is, dude. So ultimately, Russia kind of fell into disarray because the guy who was trained to take over Russia got fucking mm-mm, got killed by Ivan Terrible, and then Ivan Terrible died, and 
things kind of fell apart. So that's our first murderer. That's Ivan the Terrible, 60,000 strong or more, a lot of bodies to him, pretty grumpy the whole time, most likely had back pain. That's our first murderer. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Let's take a look at the second one. I mean, didn't that, that guy earned that name though, right? That was one thing I thought, I thought like looking into this, like, dude, how, how much of a piece of shit must have you have been in the 1500s to get the nickname terrible and then have it carry with you all the way to 2020 and have some guy looking into you and be like, what? <laughs> Ivan the terrible. That's what you're known as dude. Huh? I'd say you earned it. Torturing the whole city to death. Ghost riding sleighs into the river. I think you earned it. All right. That's our first one. Let's take a look at the second one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Oral Presentations, episode 24, A Three-Pack of Murderers. Please put your hands together for your feature performer of the night, Countess Elizabeth Bathany, also known as Lady Dracula. She uh, She's from Hungary, and she was born August 7th, 1560. She's known as a great mythical icon of female evil. So we're going to get into how she was murdering, who she murdered, How'd she get away with it? And what happened at the end? So real quick, Elizabeth Bathany, uh, she was one of four children of the Bathany family. And that family was incredibly powerful in the kingdom of Hungary at the time. Like the family had more power than the actual royalty. They had so much money and land. It was like a Bezos family where it's like, all right, well, we live in this country, but I mean, we can't really get in trouble unless we really fuck up. Like we can pretty much buy our way out of any sort of trouble we need. She lived in like a super privileged class. Uh, and also you got to understand what the country of Hungary looked like during this to be able to allow Bathany to get all this murdering done. So Hungary was perpetually at war to the South with Turkey during Elizabeth Bathany's life. Now, Turkey, it was an Islamic country and they were trying to invade Hungary to spread Islam and Hungary is a Christian country. And they were like, no, nah, I don't want that. But even besides that AB war going on, to the left of Hungary was Austria and Austria is also a Christian country. And they were watching Hungary fight Turkey because if Hungary lost that war, then Austria was going to just plow in and take all the shit that Hungary had under the auspices of like, well, we don't want Islam to spread, but also we kind of secretly want all of the shit in Hungary. So Hungary's kind of in a tough spot here. They really can't lose this war because if they lose it, it's not like they're going to have their country anymore. Austria will just take them over. And if they lose it, it's going to be pretty bad because the type of war that was going on, like Bethany growing up was exposed to really horrific injuries, people losing arms, getting tortured, all sorts of stuff. It was a rough and tumble war in the 1500s. So that's what she grew up watching. And that's the country uh, that she grew up in to be able to allow this stuff to happen. Also, there was almost no social mobility in Hungary at the time. You were either at the top or you were a peasant. It was sort of like feudalism, where it's like royalty and nobility, which is where Elizabeth Bathany's family hung out at. And then everybody else below you is just shitty peasants nobody gives a fuck about. So, at 15 years old, Liz meets and falls in love with a dude named Francis Nadaste. 
and apparently Frank was a savage warrior known for his courage in battle, and they fall in love, and Liz is really into him. Liz likes being around him. They both improve each other's social stock by being together. They're kind of like a power couple. They like having a good time. So as they got together, they join their lands together, which means they control more villages and peasants, which is great for them. Uh, and Bathany hasn't started murdering yet. But uh, they do both believe in this code of ethics known as Karadum, um, which is a really harsh system of discipline in Hungary, as I understand it, where it's like, if you have servants underneath you, you have to be a stern disciplinarian to keep them in line. And that filters all the way down. Anybody below you, you kind of got to be a dickhead too to be able to keep them in line. That's the system of discipline known as Karadum. Now they... Oh, man, I'm going to sneeze hard as hell. Am I going to sneeze? <coughs> there it went. All right. Cara Doom. Uh, yeah, system of discipline to your servants. You're just being a piece of shit to them. So an example of Liz and Frank on a date night with their servants. I mean, they were both pretty much hunks of shit here. They would, uh, Frank showed Liz how to do a thing called star kicking to your servants. So star kicking is when you tie up a servant. And then uh, she's a lady servant. And then you put matches underneath her toenails and you light them. And then after those, as those matches burn down, it causes extreme pain in the servant girl. And then she kicks her, kicks her legs out in front of her, which then makes it look like a starry sky because all the matches are flying all over the place. And she's screaming and she's in a, a, a tremendous amount of agony. So that's date night for Liz and Frank here. So, I mean, already, you know, I mean, it's just kind of the environment that the power couple kept in that house. But here's the thing. So Frank would travel a lot. He'd be on the road for like 10 months at a time for his job, which would then leave Liz at home at the castle with not a whole lot to do. So she set up shop and started murdering. This is the when Frank was away, she would really ramp up the murder in here. So um, and she wouldn't do it alone. She had four main servants and those four servants kind of acted like lieutenants for her to help her out. And they would help her procure her victims. So what the four lieutenants would do is that they would go down to the villages and they would recruit beautiful young women to come and work at the castle. Now, it's wartime economy. Everybody needs money. Everybody's poor. I mean, you guys are already peasants. You pretty much take whatever work you have. But especially now that there's a war going on, you really got to take any fucking job you get. So these lieutenants would come down and be like, hey, uh, beautiful peasant girls who have maybe heard rumors about chicks getting murdered up at that castle. Don't even pay attention to those rumors. Do you guys want to come work at the castle? Because we need some people. We feel like you guys would be great fit. Come on, work at the castle. And if you're, you know, if you're a peasant girl, and you hear that, I mean, you need money. What else are you going to do? Starve? So, like, people would come up and work for the castle. And that would be, that would get them in some trouble here. So, if you were a peasant girl and you said, yeah, to come work at Liz's castle, here's kind of what would happen when you would get there. So, you'd, you'd show up and be like, hey, how you doing? Can't wait to work for you. And immediately, Elizabeth Bathany would be like, great, take your clothes off, take a shower, and then come out here and line up with all the other servant girls. So if you do that, you'd be in line with all the other servant girls. And then Elizabeth Bathany would go down the line and pick out which ones she wanted to torture and towards the end of this, drink their blood. Um, now, quick tip, this isn't going on anymore, but if you were in that line hoping not to get picked, you would have a better shot at not getting picked to get tortured and have your blood drank if you were skinny or pale. Liz didn't like those ones, uh, so you had a decent shot at not getting picked there. That's pretty nice. Uh, Bathany liked to go for, uh, 
the more buxom ladies uh, because they lasted longer. So if you were a little bit thicker and kind of tanned, you might get picked out of that line. Like if you look like Wobble Boardwalk, you might get picked by a bath and need to get tortured to death. That's not good. So, and the torture, I mean, here's the thing. It's hard to draw a line between where this turned into straight up serial killing and where it was just Elizabeth Bathany doing that Cara Doom discipline thing. Because sometimes the torture would fit the crime that she accused the servant girl of. Like, for for instance, this one time servant girl got caught stealing something. So Elizabeth Bathany heated up a coin till it was white hot and then put it in the girl's hand and made her hold it and then burned the shit out of her hand. Now, that is definitely torture, but I don't think that girl got killed, and it I, it might fit underneath that system of discipline known as Caradoom. But either way, I mean, it really got going here. Um, I mean, li- I mean, she would definitely torture people to death just to do it. And she wouldn't get caught because up until the point where she did get caught, she would only torture uh, Slovak women, which are all peasants. And there was like a, a social hierarchy where like Hungarian people were considered like more important than Slovakian people. So as long as Elizabeth Bathany kept torturing Slovakian women to death, she really wouldn't get caught because her family was so powerful. I mean, she even took it on the road sometimes. Like Liz had a house in Vienna. And this one time she went there and she was torturing women to death and that thing. And it was so loud. There was like a monastery across the street and the monks heard her torturing women to death. So like they started throwing shoes at the windows to be like, keep it down over there. Stop torturing people to death. But what the fuck? They couldn't really do anything to her. Again, Liz comes from like a Jeff Bezos family, and what are you going to do? You're just monks, quiet. I'm torturing over here. But I mean, you know, the monks at least tried. Uh, but yeah, nothing you could really do about it. But Liz was bold and, you know, would tor- torture people on the road if she felt like it. It was all right. Uh, but yeah, it was always against Slovakian women because nobody really cared about those people. Everybody kind of thought of them as less than. So Liz was kind of bulletproof and getting caught there. Now, uh, Elizabeth Bathany did have four kids, which is creepy because apparently she was a really good mom to her kids. Uh, and people think that that might be because her kids, one, they're her kids. So we're going to torture your own kids. Come on, lady. But, uh, they were also Hungarian. So on her system of ethics of like Slovakian, like the racism of like Slovakian women don't matter. I'll torture them to death and put, you know, make them kick stars and light their feet on fire. That's fine. But she wouldn't do that to Hungarian women. But yeah, her being a good mom is kind of creepy. That's so strange to me. But, all right, 1604, her husband Frank dies, which is tough because when her husband Frank dies, what it does is it causes everybody else to take a look at her lands and estates and be like, fuck that, I'm going to go take all her shit. Her husband's dead. She can't protect it herself. So Elizabeth Bathany feels vulnerable at this point in time, so the abuse and murder ramps up even further because she's like, I might as well get it while the getting's good here. Murdering really kicks off in 1604. Uh, her end kill count, it's estimated to be around 650 young girls. And people say there's two reasons why she killed people. One, uh, it was part of that Karadoom disciplinary process. People do say that it's because of that. But second reason she killed people uh, is that she was jealous of the beauty of these young Slovakian girls. Because Liz wasn't young. She was getting a little old. Yeah, getting a little, a little old, got some crow's feet going. She was like in her 40s. And also, the way she would kill them is indicative of like being jealous of their beauty. Like, Elizabeth Bathany would spend hours looking at herself in the mirror and being like, how hot? Am I still hot? What's going on here? And at some point in time, 
she started eating people. She started eating these beautiful young Slovakian women in an attempt to steal their youthful beauty. And this is why she's called Lady Dracula, because at a certain point in time, she just went totally off the rails. Her husband's dead. She's just eating peasant girls. You know, she's, and actually, she was eating so many of them, she started running out of space to bury the bodies. So then she started storing the bodies underneath her bed. You know, that must have smelled god-awful. So uh, she would then bribe the church to give proper burials to these girls that were, like, half-chewed on to be able to cover because she was running out of space, man. So she bribed the local church, like, yo, you got to bury some of these girls. I ate the one's leg. Don't talk about that. But, you know, I'm kind of like a Bezos family. I can't really get in trouble here. I got a lot of money. Can you just bury these girls? And they would do it. Now, there are, uh, there are myths that Elizabeth Bathany would take baths in the blood of her victims, and I, I, I couldn't find that being confirmed. But what she did do is that she would put uh, some of these hot young Slovakian girls in, like, big bird cages. Like, you ever watch, like, the movie Blade or any of those, like, I don't know, late 90s, early 2000s, where they have, like, a dance club scene in Europe where there's, like, women in cages? I think it was in, like, Bad Boys too. They had that, too. I don't know. It's always, like, a popular nightclub fixture. So anyway, Elizabeth Bathany would put hot Slovakian women in cages and then have like a stick underneath them. And then she would just poke them and then uh, and yell shit at them. So and, but so it's kind of like taking a bath in blood because she would they kind of like take a shower in blood. But then you're yelling at the shower head like, hey, you're ugly. She would do that, which is pretty fucked up. But again, I couldn't find any like actual taking a bath in blood going on here. But all this was because she thought that I don't know young blood could keep her young. I, who knows? Who knows why any of this shit was, but apparently it was that system of discipline that she was like, if I eat young Slovakian chicks, maybe I won't look, maybe my crow's feet will go away, you know? I'm not saying this is good thought here. This is just our feature performer of the night. So, how did this all come crashing down? This seems like a foolproof plan here. You're just murdering people out in the open. You got monks throwing shoes at you. You're not really trying to hide it at all. How could it possibly come crashing down? Well, what happened was that Liz went after the daughter of a local Hungarian minister. And remember, she only killed Slovaks. You can't go after Hungarians. That's going to cause a problem. She went after the daughter of a local Hungarian minister, and then that girl escaped, dude. And then she told everybody what's going on over there. And then the girl's dad saw it as an opportunity to seize Elizabeth Bathany's lands. Like, I'm sure the dad was pretty upset that, like, oh, you tried to torture and kill my daughter. But... In like a Machiavellian sense, the dad was like, nice, I can get you arrested and shit, and I'm going to take all your fucking land. So December 29th, 1610, soldiers storm Lady Dracula's castle. Um, and when they come in, there's two dead bodies as soon as they walk in. And then there's one account that said that the soldiers showed up and she was beating a girl to death because uh, that girl stole some peaches. But we don't know if that's true or not, but they definitely found two dead bodies when they walked in there. So pretty soon after that, January 2nd, 1611, Trial begins. Uh, the servants are put on trial. They don't put Elizabeth Bathany on trial. They put the servants, like the lieutenants, on trial. And the lieutenants just tell the truth about what happened there. So lieutenants are found guilty. Uh, and what happens to them is that they get their fingers uh, torn out. And then uh, they get thrown on top of a fire. So that's tough. Uh, oh, the one servant uh, didn't, didn't get thrown on a fire. Uh, there was three ladies and one dude. Uh, ladies got their fingers torn out and thrown on a fire. Dude just got his head cut off. I'm pretty sure. So not sure why that, why that happened, but you know, anyway, yeah. So Liz was not put on trial. Uh, she was actually sentenced to a, like a quarantine in one room of her castle for the rest of her life. She didn't really, I mean, she didn't get thrown on a fire. Nothing happened to her. She just, they just made her go on house arrest for the rest of her life, which wasn't that long. 
she died like three years later at the age of 54 in that room. But so that's our second murderer. Uh, total count 650 young girls and uh, was kind of drinking their blood, eating them. There's one account uh, that said that she came at a woman like a pit bull and bitter. I, I, you know, things got carried away there. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I picked her. That's, uh, that's the worst lady murderer I could find. Most impressive, highest number, 650. Uh, a little bit of Slovakian history there. A little, little Hungarian history for you. So that's our second for the night. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and round it up and bring on your headliner, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Oral Presentations, episode 24, a three-pack of murderers. This is going to be the last murderer we cover. Uh, this is the first one I found. I found this guy, and I wanted to do an episode about him, but there just wasn't enough about him. And the reason I wanted to do it is because I don't believe that this counts as a serial killer. So I did the other two before this to actual like profile real serial killers. And then we're going to we're going to close with this guy. And you tell me if this counts as a serial killer or if this dude was just kind of just kind of a nuisance. Just just mm, just grumpy and scampering around. Our third murderer of the day. He definitely did kill somebody, though. Our third murderer. Cayetano Santos Godino. He was the first documented serial killer in the history of Argentina. He was born on Halloween. October 31st, 1896, he is responsible for attempting to murder a total of 11 people, and he was successful, allegedly, for those times. So even if you give him his full stats, he's batting, he's going four for 11, which gives him a batting average of 36%. Even if you want to give him the four kills, which as we go over, I'm not going to give him this one. There's one of these that I don't, I just don't believe he could pull off, given his track record, but we'll... We'll cover it. You tell me at the end of this, this guy's a serial killer or just some dude who's like, I don't know. He, It's a little bit of like the like the little engine that could. Like, I'm not saying he didn't want to become a murderer. I think just he couldn't. He just couldn't do it. He just didn't. He had all the fight in the world in him to get it done. He just couldn't. Couldn't do it. Uh, real quick, before we get started, uh, Cayetano Santos Godino was a little person with enormous ears. Uh, his nickname was the big-eared pest in Spanish, El Petiso Orejudo, the big-eared pest. So uh, the little person dwarfism thing doesn't really, I'm not really going to, that's not very important uh, here, but it does play into being uh, your physical attributes as a murderer, and it does play into why I don't think he got this one kill. So uh, real quick, let's get it going. Cayetano Santos Godino, let's take a look at his early life. All right, he was one of eight boys born to a mother and father in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they were both abusive alcoholics, which is plus one in the serial killer category. You usually see that in TV shows I watch, at least. That's the extent of my knowledge of how to pin a serial killer down, but usually their mom and dad are kind of mean. His dad also had syphilis when he got his mom pregnant, so apparently Godino had some health problems early on in his life. I didn't know that could cause that, but... I mean, that was interesting to learn about, but yeah, I mean, that's not super fun for him at the beginning of his life. 
Uh, Godino did do the classic kill cats and birds thing. He was fucking with animals as a little kid. Big plus one there. Didn't do it with enough or with as much panache as Ivan the Terrible chucking bears off of castles. But, I mean, he technically does get, get credit for doing that. Uh, he also liked lighting stuff on fire, which is another big one if you're looking at, at serial killers. Does he fuck around with fire? But I will also say that when you are a little kid, it is kind of fun to light stuff on fire, especially if there's fireworks involved. Uh, but in this context, if you smash it together with killing cats and then, you know, your mom and dad are pretty abusive. That's, you know, that is, you know, we're, we're, we're brewing up a witch's brew, a serial killer right here. Uh, I did say he got bullied mercilessly in school because he got moved from school to school due to behavior problems. I will say that he was probably going to get bullied no matter what. It was like 1900 Argentina where political correctness didn't exist at all. And uh, given his circumstances, I mean, even if he wasn't lighting stuff on fire and killing birds in the playground, he was probably going to get picked on pretty bad. All right. Ramping up the rise of a serial killer. Let's take a look at it. Seven years old, Godino punched a two-year-old in the head and threw him in a ditch. He got caught immediately. Uh, cop was right there. Uh, so he got taken down to the police station, but Godino was released because he was young. All right, eight years old. See if we can get it going a little better here. He hit a little girl in the head with a rock and got caught almost immediately again. Taken to the police station, second time. Caught twice so far. Uh, and by now, I wrote down, like, the local cops must have known him by now. Like, I don't know how many little people that were getting arrested in Buenos Aires at the time, but I feel like he might have been the only one going, you know, at least in that police station. How many times are you going to see a little person who's getting booked for, like, throwing kids in ditches and hitting kids in the head with stones? I mean, the, the cops probably knew him at this point in time. All right, 10 years old. Uh, Godino wouldn't stop giving himself tug jobs. So his mom called the cops on him. He, uh, he ends up serving, uh, two months in jail for squishing it cause masturbation was illegal. And his mom's the one who called the cops on him. That probably didn't help his self-esteem. All right. Well, he's out of jail now and uh, he's mad. Here comes the, uh, the petite red dragon. All right. He does most of his work in the year 1912, January 17th, 1912. He sets fire to a warehouse and gets caught uh, at the police station. He tells police, they ask him, like, what are you doing? Lighting shit on fire. And he's like, I like to see firemen working. I like to see them fall into the fire. And cops let him out. I guess I don't I don't know if anybody ever took him seriously. This is kind of a, a, like a recurring theme here. Like he's not really held in jail that long ever. But he says a bunch of fucked up shit, and he's like hitting people in the head and lighting stuff on fire. I don't know. This might be on the Buenos Aires Police Department not taking this guy seriously for whatever reason. Just being like, yeah, all right, man, you fucking weird. Get the fuck out of here. January 26, 1912. Uh, all right, here's the kill that I don't really want to give him credit for, right? Okay, so a the body of a 13-year-old named Arturo Lorona was found in an abandoned house, and they give... Cayetano Santos Godino credit for this kill, but they don't give a methodology or anything. And a 13 year old is definitely going to be bigger than him because he was about the same age. Like he was, he, like Godino was 16, but like a 13 year old who's hit puberty is going to be a little bit bigger than him. So like I don't, and I mean, if you look at the things he already tried, he's not great at physical violence to begin with. Like to, and to choke out a 13 year old on your feet, like he's going to be reaching up, like he's choking his dad out. I don't, I don't like giving him credit for this kill but they do give him credit for a 13 year old january 26 
all right, whatever you want to say, even if you want to give him that, that's one, dude. That is, well, maybe we'll give you one. All right, March 7th, 1912. He did do this one. He set a five-year-old on fire, and that person died. That That's very sad, but that does count. But again, that I did you plan that, or are you just out of, you, you just, you just out there causing problems, dude. All right, September. And also, where the fuck? Why the fuck wasn't he in jail at this point? Where are the cops, dude? All right, September 1912. Uh, he set fire to a railway station. You know, he was on a hot streak. He he burned that one kid. He uh he set fire to a railway station, but that was extinguished uh without extensive damage. Yeah, it didn't work out. That's another L for him. He takes a hard loss on that one. Tried to burn down train station. Didn't work out. Again, not in jail. November 8th, 1912. Tries to murder an eight-year-old named Roberto Russo, uh, and he couldn't pull it off. He got shook. The eight-year-old did a gator roll, just ran away from him. But he does get caught. He got arrested. He got arrested for attempted murder and again released. How many times has he been in the – just keep him at this point. He's been in the police – this is all in the same year. He's been in the police station how many times? Again, but didn't you say – like an eight-year-old shook him. I'm telling you, how did he kill that 13-year-old? I don't have any faith that he killed that 13-year-old. An eight-year-old just did like a – just juked him and ran – an FL blitz ran away from him, hit the turbo button. Fucking good, you know, couldn't get it done. All right. November 16th, 1912. He punches a little girl in the head named Carmen and again gets arrested and caught immediately. He's released again. I again, no plan on that one. This isn't a I don't think this isn't count. Did you just hear that shit about Elizabeth Bathany with the castle and the 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 peasant girls and then Ivan the Terrible tortured a whole city to death? I don't think this guy counts. But he's got the persistence, dude. He's got persistence. I'll give him that, but I just don't think he's really all right. November 12th or November 20th, 1912. Uh, he kidnaps a two year old named Carolina and was making his getaway and he gets caught by police again. He just can't. He can't get one right. He can't, running down the street. Cops are like, what the fuck? I've seen this guy before. They run him down. And uh, yeah, he gets caught and arrested again. Attempted attempted kidnapping of a two year old. What was there any plan there, dude? All right. After he gets caught trying to kidnap a two-year-old, I feel like he took a couple steps back and he was like, all right, I'm taking a few L's in the people game. He tries to burn down a couple of uh, two large sheds he sets fire to, right? Let's go back to basics. Let's go back to what we know. Let's burn down some sheds. Uh, he sets the fires and the fires are almost immediately extinguished. Uh, not, no, prop, no extensive property damage. That doesn't work. Uh, that's, another, that's another loss right there. All right, home stretch. Let's see what you can pull off here. Come on. Come on, serial killer. Uh, December 3rd, 1913. Oh, this one is sad because he does kill a kid, but uh, he, lure, he lures a kid with using sweets into a house, and then he, he does kill him. But the dad finds that. The dad of the kid finds it, like, immediately. And Godino's like, I don't know what happened. And then there's the wake the next day. Godino goes to the wake and then, like, touches the kid where he killed him. And everybody watches. like, all right, well, that guy definitely just touched him where the kid got killed. He did it. Gets arrested. Finally. Jesus goes to jail, criminal mastermind, goes to the wake and touches where he killed. All right. He's in jail now. Fourth of January, 1913. He enters a reformatory. And the judge couldn't decide whether to be like, all right, this guy's insane or he's a murderer. They, but they put him in a reformatory. All right. Enters the reformatory, immediately tries to kill the other inmates, which I feel like is bluffing. If, you, if you've listened to everything I just said, 
it's either bluffing or this guy is insane. There's no way if he was a rational person, there's no way you think you're going to win fights against prison inmates when you got shook by an eight year old on the street, dude. He gets the shit beat out of him. Those inmates, they don't take kindly to that. They just beat the shit out of him. He has a rough run of it. All right. So 20 years goes by again. He's in for murder. He definitely killed that one kid. Uh, 1933. Uh, he, he catches the murdering bug again, but he doesn't do people. He kills two cats. He kills two cats that were the pets of other inmates. I just causing trouble. Just why would you do that? Because he still hasn't learned how to get along with people. That's why. He kills those cats. Those inmates beat the shit out of him. He spends a, a handful of months in the hospital for killing cats. Come on, buddy. All right. 20 years, kills cats. He's in the hospital. So then, I mean, he never really recovers for that beating, honestly, from, from killing those cats. He spends about 10 more years, and he's pretty sick in prison. And then in 1944, he dies under mysterious circumstances, quote, unquote, in jail, which means just somebody got tired of his shit and gave him like a thimble of poison or something. That's fine. <laughs> But I'm saying not not a serial killer. I wanted to do it because I just don't believe this guy's a serial killer. He's he's hawked as being a serial killer. And I feel like Argentina would be happy to have him wiped away and have that moniker of serial killer taken off him because this is a pretty embarrassing first serial killer to have your Argentina. You're pretty you're stumbling out the gate here with this guy. So I, I don't know. Look, I did the first two because I found this guy and I couldn't believe how bad you could be. At serial killer, it's it's almost all losses, and I'm not going to give him credit for that 13 year old. I'm just I just don't believe it. it was a body in a warehouse, and they're giving him credit for it. There's no way. I just I don't see any of the planning necessary, and there's no story behind. It was just a body. No, dude, you don't get that one. So I I just wanted to do this is the first one I found, and I wanted to do this, but you couldn't find a whole lot. Again, I couldn't find how that 13 year old got killed, so I wanted to do the other two to actually have real serial killers or real murderers in the episode. And then we'll end it with this guy as a way to compare and contrast. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't call this dude. He did have big ears. He had a lot of disadvantages. If you're trying to get into the murdering game, make career out of it, it definitely didn't work out. And he ended up just killing cats at the end too. He, he, how many times was he unsuccessful at burning stuff? I just don't think this counts as a serial killer to me. But we've done we've done three murderers. That's episode 24 of Oral Presentations, a three pack of murderers. I hope you guys enjoyed at least one of them. I think each one. Uh, I don't know. I did each one because I liked each one for different reasons. Um, I hope you guys are staying safe out there. Uh, thanks for listening. Episode 24, a three pack of murders. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, guys. I'll see you.